Radio for another episode of the podcast, baby. Hell yeah, dude. As you as you can hear, dude, as you can hear, Kentron tickling them ebonies and ivories. Every time we do a show, Kentron is here. I appreciate you, dude. For like what? It's been like over, I mean, I know we've been off and on with the podcast, but it's been over like a decade now, dude. Yes, sir. Uh, oh, oh shit, your mic needs to go on. Look, I still don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Uh, uh, yeah, it's been... Mic check. Yeah, no, no, I got you now. (laughs) It's been like a decade, dude. Longer than that. Longer than that. Longer than that, bro. Talking about... Well, I... I, 2009. Recession. This is a recession, man. This shit's depressing, man. Listen, I thank you for coming out. Uh, Shout out to everyone here for chilling and riding out with me. If it's your first time, thank you all for pulling up. Wherever you're at, dude, if you're at home, at work, in the grill room, at the dispensary, in the garage, at your boy's house, in the car, wherever the fuck you listen to uh, podcasts, I thank you. And if you are live on Twitch, what's up, baby? We do stream these live on Twitch as well. Thank you guys for joining us. I will look at the comments as well. So if you guys have questions with our guests, just let me know because we can answer them live. And speaking of guests and longtime friendships, dude, the person sitting next to me, I've known for almost over a decade now, it feels like. It oh, feels yeah. like it feels like it, dude. I don't know if it's true or not. It's been well over a decade. It's been well over. Well, because I remember when I started my podcast in 2009, there was a location that I used in the valley, in like the back of like a, a, a glass shop or like a, a warehouse, and you had a company back then called Rig Rags. This is true. Rig rags, dude. I, uh, first of all, let me get to it, dude. I'm talking to Jeremy Nori here, who is a uh, 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 well, he's a filmmaker now. He's a, a cannabis connoisseur ish, I would say. He uh, uh, has a documentary out right now. He's throwing uh, many events, been a part of many festivals, and uh, he just is all about the culture, dude. Jeremy Nori, thank you for coming and hanging out with me, My dude, on the pleasure. podcast. Thank you very much for having me. It is. An honor and a privilege. I mean, I think I had you on the podcast before, but it was like in the back of a glass blowing studio, like 2010. Oh, yeah. I've been on the podcast like many times. So, um, like back when you had it at the warehouse, I would just come in and you'd be like, so and so didn't show up. Do you want to do the podcast today? (laughs) Do it. Yeah. Well, that was, we would just have the homies on and we would just be getting high and talking. I was a butt tender back then when I was when I first started podcasting and I would just talk about like the day to days inside dispensaries on the show and knowledge because I would have access to a lot more cannabis than other people do even you know more access than sometimes growers did because I was dealing with multiple growers so I was seeing multiple strains or cultivars or whatever lingo you guys want to use these days and then um, hash started becoming a big thing. Yeah. And I remember, like, that's where we connected a lot was the hash scene. So do you remember the first time we connected? The first time we met, because I know we've been to Cups together. We've been in the same boots. We've worked together on events. You've uh, hired me to host uh, events. Yep, you were the first LA Secret Cup host. What? The first host of the LA Secret Cup, which was when? 2000 and? 2013. Sheesh. What were you doing 2013, guys? Yeah, yeah, exactly. We were throwing hash competitions in L.A. And and I got to give you a compliment on being a host because I've seen many hosts. And there's a lot of hosts that are good as far as entertainers. But, Adam, you are very good at incorporating the audience into the whole thing and and getting people to open up. And at cannabis events, you have to be somebody that went to events to know kind of what it's like. A lot of people are just standing around. They're high. They don't know anybody else. It's a weird vibe. And so you being like that, like cool, like really outgoing, like, Incorporating everybody into everything. (laughs) That shit's cool. I like that. And like, not a lot of hosts do that. A lot of hosts, it's like, 
uh, like flashy, look at me stuff. So that's a really cool thing that you bring to the well, table. Well, because to me, like, I understand. Thank you. I appreciate uh-huh. that. I know. I understand what you're saying with engaging the audience and ke- keeping everyone involved. Because to me, like, I think we're losing the true passion of cannabis, which was the true point of cannabis, which was like community. Like before it went legal, before everyone started popping up with brands, before all these culture vultures came in, like we were all on the same team. We all wanted to like, yeah, like make weed legal, break yeah. the negative, the stigma that follows it, break those stereotypes. Yeah, and you know I was loud and obnoxious, and you know I was in. Fr- Worked for radio for a little bit, so I handled microphones, and and that it, it was missing, dude. I'd go to events, and there'd be like, like you said, people yeah. would just be sitting. A lot of people are introverts, you know. It's I, it's cool. I, I I understand. Sometimes I don't want to be spoken to or be bothered, but like I wanted to just involve everybody and get everyone. Like we're a community. We're all here because we love weed. That's like a great common denominator to start a friendship. We it's yep. not all of our life. We have, there's there's movies, there's music, there's yep. hobbies, there's but if you have a friend with weed and you guys share the same interest, that's a friendship that's going to last for a long time. Yeah, and a lot of these people at these events, they just need that like icebreaker to open up to each other and then boom. That's so, it, dude. Yeah, but, well, I appreciate really that. that. And so I will bring it back the first time I met you. Uh-oh. Sean Cush. Oh, my hash bar. Hash bar TV. Yes, and he was doing an event called the Hash Bar Olympics or yes. something like that. Well, he, we, yeah, we did like a couple. And the I went because Sean Cush had, he had talked to Marco. My I was writing for the magazine Treating Yourself. That, and that's, I was going to bring that up too. Mm-hmm. Because I was supposed to go to the Treating Yourself Expo in 2012. That was in Canada. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a whole other story. <laughs> and I never made it to Canada because yeah. when I got to the, when I landed the plane, they said, "Nah, nah, Mister Ill, you gotta go back home." Yep. But- so, so Sean had taken the logo from Treating Yourself and put it on his flyers, and we didn't know about this. I don't know exactly how the deal was. So he just like yeah, said, he "Oh, just- here's the inner, here's the logo, here's the yeah, logo." He, and so then I I went there. To confront him. Yeah, and I told him, hey, let, I asked Marco. I'm like, first of all, Marco, do you know about this? And he's like, no, I don't know about this. And so he's It like, worked, though. It brought the magazine he, there. Neither of us are really <laughs> upset. We're like, it's a free sponsorship. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, this isn't the worst thing somebody could do. But, I, you know, I'll go and talk to him and talk to him about it. Um, and he was, you know, I, I called him out on it, but I was cool about it. And we were been friends ever since. Yeah. Um, but I remember seeing you as the host of that, and I thought you were like famous. I was like, <laughs> "Who is this guy? <laughs> like, was he in movies or something? Like, you've seen like somebody I had known from like somewhere, and uh, you had that whole vibe going I on. This was the homie, dude. Yeah, yeah. You you had it even back then. Now can we can we date that? That was two thousand like ten, nine, ten. It was before two thousand and nine. No, it because was. That's when I won the Cannabis Cup with Treating Yourself. So that was... So it was 2009 then. It was... It, it, it couldn't be before... Because I started the podcast in 2009. And okay. that's when we... Maybe we were, it was then. It yeah. was 2009 then. It was early. It yeah. Was, yeah, yeah. Early 2009 is possible. Yeah. Sheesh. We were doing the Hash Olympics. I know there's a lot of people now these days coming out saying they're the first to do shit. They're like, oh, we're the originators. No one's done this before. We're going to do it big. But listen, guys. It's been done. <laughs> I, I did the uh, you so did many. I did the yeah. BH Olympics because I didn't want to call it Olympics at all because I didn't want the Olympic committee to come at me. So I just called it the it's it looked like Bo Olympics BH Olympics and it was basically a fucking competitive consumption yeah. event. When you were there, yeah, was it was there. in a parking lot in the time. valley. It was 120 degrees. It was in the middle of August, and we were doing like um, I think Kentron was there too. Had to be. It was like yeah. a track and field event. There was like a series of different so yeah, I did like like challenges. A, I did like a basketball game. I did synchronized dabbing. I did the 100-yard snap. I did the 40-yard gauntlet. Like it was basically Olympic events, but instead of like doing a 100-yard dash and running, you just got to smoke a gram, the fastest, out of a bong. <laughs> or instead of doing like the 40-yard dash, you had to do like a four- a uh, rig gauntlet where you have to hit four rigs consecutively. Instead of synchronized swimming, you're synchronized dabbing where it was two or more people had to do this whole routine and dab. We, I was just like, fuck it. And we had a a, a, a pretty good turnout. Yeah, it was good. It was- I remember I went. It was right before rig rags came out. And uh, yeah, it was good. It was when, when dabbing was like 
new. Yeah. It, when we were was, going, red means go. Yeah, it was good. It was, well, I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the hot dabbing, that was not the best. But um, that the vibe of the culture was cool. It was like just starting. And that for any journey, that's one of the coolest things. Because the thing is, we've all been smoking weed. Like, I, I smoked weed in middle teenager, young teenager, my first experience. And then, you know, I was became passionate about it. I met Jack Hare at a young age, which was very fortunate, which I, I appreciate a lot because he sparked the passion in me. But um, so there was, hold on, where's my point? What was my point that I was getting to? Uh, uh, oh, yeah, so we were all smoking weed. And then, like, when I started jumping into cannabis and, like, I'm like, this is it. Like, there was a whole culture and community that was behind it. The growers, the hash makers, the the activists, the, the lawyers. And it was like this little community. It was like this little group of people. And there wasn't a, it wasn't a lot of, like it is now with IG and Facebook and fucking all these social media platforms. Like, you had AOL or MySpace, maybe. Maybe a Twitter back then in like 2010 but no one was ever on it so it was like you know we tracker was like the website or there was an overgrow overgrow or i see mag or some shit there was like these these forums that you would meet and then like they would have like these get-togethers in the park or like hey we're gonna we're gonna we're all gonna meet at woodley park at at three o'clock it's a potluck so bring whatever this is this, this is, is also the American uh, community. Yeah, yeah. At that time, overseas, it was like a booming business, and they're like huge companies. Yeah, well, Amsterdam <laughs> was was known as you know where you go to smoke weed legally. Yeah, yeah. That was the spot, and they had cups there and stuff too. And we went to that. Uh, you went to the Amsterdam Cup. Oh yeah, many I've times. Been many times. Yeah, I saw- and I've won it. So in 2009, we won best product for the very first dabbing tool. That was the Vapor Swing. Ooh, the vape swing. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) exactly. The the stain your jeans. The vape swing. Stain your jeans with the vape swing. Out now. So if you're not familiar, um, by the way, we're Jeremy Nori. He uh, just did the Secret Cup documentary. You can watch it on YouTube. They talk about the swing a little bit. Basically, it was a rig, right? Just imagine your rig right now, but it has, instead of like a banger in it, it has this little like arc, like a rainbow type of arc. I always say a candy cane. Like a cat, but it wasn't, uh, it, like some of them were candy. Yeah, yeah. Just imagine like an arc, candy yeah, cane. Yeah. doesn't matter the angle. Just yeah. know it went up and then it went down. And then there was a wire wrap around the glass neck that was connected to like a, a, a titanium plate or a steel plate. I don't even know if it was yeah, titanium. It was titanium. Then. Some some would be steel, but those were. And it would swing. Thank so you. you would you would lift it up and and heat it up till it's red, and then you would swing it back down under the hole like the candy cane, and put your oil on there and and inhale. And it would be the way to smoke it pure without making a green screen or or hot knifing. Or, yeah, yeah. I mean, hot knifing gets. Pretty much the credit for being the first dabbing kind of yeah method, I guess you would say. But um, that's kind of revisionist history. I don't know a lot of people that were really doing that, and uh, I've been around a lot of people, so I'm not sure. HMK. Yeah, yeah. The very first ones that I saw legitimately being used were the uh, HMK vapor swing, or um, what were they calling them? Uh, Ties. High curves. The that's t- what they were calling them. High <laughs> curves. Okay. That's new to me. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. The Canadians. Okay. These, all these Canadians, they, they kind of started it. And uh, I saw these pictures of it. And I remember I took it to Isaac. I was like, Isaac, you knew the most about glass. I'm like, yeah. what the hell is, are they doing? Like, I don't even understand what these are for. And, uh, and he's like, oh, those are kind of dumb. He kind of blew them off. Wow. And uh, I don't think he knew what they were for. Right. At that time either. He had he was he wasn't on the internet and like I was on the internet right. a lot. And so I had seen these things and it was a whole thing. And then eventually I finally encountered one in person. And once you finally went from like doing dabs on like like bowls of ash or yeah. like coals or whatever it is, like we had oil before the, the whole dabbing thing. Right. And it wasn't called dabbing. And uh and what we was it called? Just smoking oil. And everybody had their own name for oil, too. Yeah. Be like, oh, have you tried the... the Amber glass. Yeah. Earwax. There was a bazillion Hash names. oil. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, the goop. The, yeah. The, like, there was all these different names. Isaac's was the juice. Yeah. You know, there was a there was a hundred different names. And they were, like, almost like brand names for the product. But then eventually that 
the dabbing kind of term just colloquially took over. But, Could you uh, take a little dab? Yeah, that's what it was. Like you were like, "Hey, do you want to go do a dab of oil?" And not a bowl, like, not a snap, mm-hmm. a dab. Yeah, yeah. and then the, we just lost the of oil thing, and it's like, "Do you want to just go do a dab?" Yeah. And then that became dabbing. But nevertheless, so when you first encountered that tool, it was like, "Oh, I'm never going back to like smoking it on bowl." Right. Like it was a whole. Even even hot, it was like, oh, this is glorious. This is so much better. And it's crazy to think about it now, too, because now it's kind of regressing because now everyone's putting their oil back with the flowers and they're yeah. putting it in a, and they're rolling it into a donut. That, that's kind of typical hash. Like <laughs> It's been like that yeah, forever yeah. in the in Europe. Yeah, They've yeah, always yeah. been putting their hash, but they mix it. It's not like a, 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 a snake yeah, in exactly. the grass. It's more like... Exactly. They usually don't have pliable enough hash to make like that. There's some that you can kind of snake out and, and do like that. And it's it's just kind of a preference thing if you're a smoker, you know, versus some people don't like vaporizing and, and all that kind of stuff. But, you know. So you've seen like the whole evolution of the concentrate. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we were there from the very beginning. I want to ask you a question because... Uh-huh. I've been reading a lot of articles about this. People have been trying to claim it. I think I know the story, but I would like to hear from you because I know you sure, are involved sure. in the concentrate. You have did the secret cup. Uh, you've been around hash and branding hash and, and designer hash for many, many, many over a decade. I'm curious what you're going to ask me. <laughs> do, you, do you think you know what I'm going to ask you? I think you're going to ask me about 710? 100%. Okay. The birth, how did 710 get involved yeah. into the cannabis scene? I mean, the story you've heard is probably close to true, if I'm thinking correctly. Let me hear it. So, um, If it has to do with Task Rock, then yes. Yeah. Okay. Task Rock and a couple other people that you know uh, were in uh, some sort of a... Pay attention, folks. Some sort of a group. All those articles you're reading at Cap, dog. I call them out, but let's listen right now, dog. Let's go. Yeah, it was like a, it was like a message board group or something. Like I forget what exactly it was, but they were all part of some like sort a little of chat thing. room or yeah, something, yeah, something like that. And they were like going back and forth, and I believe the question of like, so if oil were to have a number reference similar to how pot has the 420 reference, what would it be? And Task Rock suggested that it should be 710 because 710 is oil upside down. Yes. That is the whole story on how it became part because Task Rock was a, a huge, like, quote unquote, influencer at the time. 100%. You know, he, advocate. Yeah. And was probably one of the first people I know that performed songs about concentrates. Yeah, he was and just dabbing. super popular. And so everybody, all his little fans are like, we've got this. They took it and ran with it. And like, we all heard it and we thought it was cool. Yeah. You know? So like, everybody in the industry that was in, this is another thing that was cool, because at first, oil kind of took on the same thing as as dab, as uh, cannabis, where there weren't a whole bunch of different oil companies and you didn't like hate everybody else. There were a lot of egos weren't formed yet. Yeah, and so it was like you would meet other people that smoked oil, and it was like, yes, because at first it did not catch on right away. I remember going around trying to sell it, and it was impossible to sell it. Well, it was also very (laughs) malleable and messy, and it was on parchment, and the heat would fuck it up. People just didn't know what to do with it. Packaging was difficult. Like, they didn't have the tools to do that. People didn't know how to smoke it. They're like, what is this? It's expensive. I'm Like, it was a hard sell at first for a long time, and then there would be certain places that, like, oh, we know. And then certain kids that were like, oh, this is the place where I go to get that. And so it became its own thing. And that's when we had the hash bar at Kind Meds. Yeah. And we were making all the hash for that. Like, that was the glory days, really, for, like, us as hash makers. Yeah, because I also remember going back, we did, you guys had, because you guys did the Secret Cup. 
We're going to talk to that about that in a second sure. and get into it. Um, like as you said earlier, I hosted the first one. I also went to the next one that was in Colorado. Okay. That uh, I flew out to. You guys had me there. I, I flew up with Hydro. Nice. I met him in Vegas. Yeah. And then um, we'll talk about all that in a little bit. <laughs> but uh, I want to get to the thing is because you guys threw the Secret Cup in uh, along with the 710 Cup. So, which, was, which was like kind of like the same weekend, week type of vibe. You guys were like, fuck it, right? Am so I- you're close, but not quite. So the very first Secret Cup was December of 2012. In LA. Okay. In Colorado. In Colorado, okay. Yeah. So the very, very first one was, it was kind of a, out of frustration, right? These guys uh, were entering the High Times Cup and they would get like kind of categorized, right? So that they, they would either be not allowed to enter a solvent, right? So you can't enter BHO. It's just not allowed. No, thank you. Or um, it would get entered into like some sort of a weird... They didn't feel like they were being judged properly. I'll just say that. Right. Okay. So <laughs> they were like... Well, how- also, like, I've been a judge on a lot of these... Uh, <laughs> competitions and and panels sometimes it's like shared groups where you share your opinion sometimes now it's all digital whatever but when you see who the other judges are you're just like what the fuck does this person know about weed how do they know what good weed is you're like who how does this celebrity does this celebrity even smoke weed like how the you just getting names to judge like it's bullshit yes and especially at this time, like, the same problem would be a part of these cannabis judges. You would think that the judges would be elite smokers that had all the tools that right. knew what they were dealing with. But that was not always the case. In fact, it was commonly the opposite, where overwhelmingly these people didn't have the tools, didn't know what they were smoking. And so if you got something unique like that and you tried to, like, put it in a joint or something, and it, like, you know, it'd run out of you. You might not like it. I gave it to people that didn't know how to use it that were famous cannabis people, and they were like, I don't like that. Yeah. But, um, so the, the first one was built out of frustration, right? Daniel. In Colorado. Various other hash makers at the time were like, we're not winning these competitions, and we're clearly the best. So we need our own competition, basically. Right. And and then, like, how would we judge who the best is? Because we all know each other, and, like, we don't want it to be unfair. And so they came up with a scenario of how to do it. And the very first Secret Cup, um, there were heats. It was, it was odd. But the same concept was the core concept, is that the people entering would be the judges. And then you couldn't vote for yourself. And that was it. And so... How would you know... Well, at the end of the competition, so that's a good question. You didn't just not vote for yourself. You, you voted for everything. Yeah, you voted for everything. But when you turned in your card, they mm-hmm. X'd your... And and this was, this was a good test of people's honesty because commonly... All tens. Some people would do that, and then they... <laughs> They, they didn't guess their own thing. That was somebody else's Ooh. thing. Yeah. I loved when that would happen. Ooh. Like, okay, you tried to cheat. I'm going to let this one go because you just hooked this guy up. Yeah. And, and clearly it's better because it, you put yeah, all 10. it deserves it. It's close to that. So, you know? And you're not the only one that gave it high scores. But yeah, all 10s, actually, I would, th- that's a trigger. We would have a... Um, Discussion. You get, yeah, yeah, you would get all fives basically if you did anything even remotely. It's yeah. horrible. All ones or all tens on, instantaneously on automatic five. But yeah, so so they both this one some, out. Of, I've gotten some bad things though where it's, oh, yeah. it's not like all ones, but like, you yeah. know. But you have to be honest. Like, yeah, I'll be like, all right, it, it looks dark as yeah. shit, but it smells okay. Yeah, so, exactly. But I'm not going to smoke it, so I don't know what the effects are. That's the lesson. Is, is the color at least good? Like, yeah. there, there's got to be some redeeming When I first started judging, like, like, I smoked everything. Yeah. I was like, yo, I'm a judge. I'm going to just try it all because that's what I do. But now when I, when I judge, I'm only smoking what looks like it's going to be a winner. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. from there, so that means like half of it's gone because if you don't look like a winner, yeah, yeah, why am exactly. I going to smoke you and waste yeah, yeah. my time? So boom, I don't judge those. And then by out of the winners, I'm like, all right, they go by looks and then I'll go by smell and then I'll try it. That's a good way. I, like when people ask me about how to get through a large amount of entries in a day without having to smoke a large amount of entries in a day, that's kind of what I tell them is you go through the line of 
okay, your 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 looks, your smells, your all these other categories that don't involve smoking it. Yeah. And just kind of break it down. You'll have a, a certain amount way less than you started with. Right. So anything yeah. that's on average or anything that's below this, I ain't smoking, bitch. So the first secret cup, Colorado, <laughs> December 2012. Then uh the very next one I did in March. And then uh that was 2013. And then there was, like, I think a couple other ones before we got to the 710 Cup, which was okay. uh, Dougie and uh, Grassroots. Grassroots, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, just going back, 710, uh, yes, people be saying whatever they say. It's the oil cap. You turn it, every mechanic knows, or it's the pager code, whatever, when you spell shit. But to bring it into the cannabis space, to the one who implied that we should use that for the whole dabbing scene was... Task Rock. Yeah. He's the one that did it mm-hmm. and uh, is the one that spread the word and all of his fans and all of us in the culture, in community, went with it. I had a podcast at the time, started the 710 is a new 420 fucking hashtag, created the glob mob, did this whole fucking thing and uh, you started doing the secret cup. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it, was exactly. A, it was a whole crazy it was crazy because back then also, like, tech wasn't Really? No, no. I I did a booth with you when we represented the KO Domeless Nail, right? So High Times was, Cannabis Cup in the Bay. In the Bay. 2014, 15. Yeah, and the the booth won a bunch of. So we, it was a Cali Connection mm-hmm. uh, booth. Uh, shout to Swerve, and we had DJ Vic one, and that was when we were already going to events and and doing our setup because. I did a little thing with Swerve with Cali Connection in L.A., the L.A. Cannabis Cup. And uh, after that, we went to Amsterdam, and then we traveled. And then when we went to the Bay, we started setting up. We had a bunch of boots with us to represent SoCal. We had a little speaker, a little stage. And then uh, we started doing, like, hash games and competitions, and we were introducing products. We're like... Once we learned about the awards you could win, best booth, which I won every single time, uh, <laughs> best product, which I was involved with a bunch of times, and uh, uh, it was best booth, best product, and best, what was the other one, dude, that the, that the people voted on? Uh, bo- I don't booth, product. I don't know. That was another. This I didn't really. happening to me a lot. I didn't really care about that <laughs> other one. I just cared about. Uh, I only cared about best booth because I wanted to provide the best entertainment everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yes. And then we had the KO Domeless. And sure. that was. If you watch my stream regularly, I pulled it out the other night on 710. I have. Wow. I have a collection of all the nails and bangers uh, throughout awesome. the years, dude. I'm ready for the museum to open up. Yeah, that guy would hit me up over the years. But I pulled it out. It's like half ceramic, uh, half titanium. And it has like a, a 14, 18 female fitting to go into a oh, male. Yeah. And you would put it, it. Back then, we didn't have little last rigs. They were just all fucking bongs. And we would just fucking take big old hoodoo. <laughs> Red hot, dude. Red hot bangers. Yeah, the whole uh, style of what would go in was like a different style of, of glass. So it was made for the band. It was made for the. the um, the swings basically and and so those were all ground glass you didn't want like a female swing you wanted a male so all the pieces kind of reflected that for a while and then it started to change so what it changed into what what happened so when domes came out then it became males on on the on the rigs and then you wanted a dome that went over the male and you didn't want an adapter right you you wanted a no you just want straight in yeah. yeah So then and you they get, all became males for a while. What he's saying by a dome and a nail is, because I know we got some new dabbers here that might not understand what we had to go through to learn about concentrates, but we would have a, um, like a tight, it would look like a nail, basically. It was like a flat head with a, like, screw on the bottom. It was like a screw nail. Yeah, yeah, at first. So you could adjust mm-hmm. it, because it had, like, a little nut on it, mm-hmm. so you can adjust how high or low you want the flat surface to be so when you put your dome on it which was a basically looked like a fitting it looked like a fucking a, a female fitting that you put yeah. over the male it's like, like a, a orb it's a, a like glass a bubble with a hole in with it a hole in the top yeah yeah so you would put that to cover the nail and then you would take your dab 
and put it in, and that would be the fucked up part too, because yeah, a lot miss. of times you would miss or fuck yeah, up yeah, was, and uh, hit that the That was also fun. You could play a dab skip ball. We did that, yeah, yeah. Thing in there, but who does that? Other thing, yeah. So, I, so then the, so that was when you had the actual glass dome that went over, but then it still remained that same fitting when it switched to domeless because the domeless nails would be female and they would go over the male, it, yeah, and then that was just the way for so long it seems like like maybe have, a year yeah. or two or something no like. i have a lot of rigs when i used to collect glass and buy a glass and go to all the glass shows and do all that shit uh, do we been to a lot of fucking events oh, now yeah. that i think about like the vegas's nice. like all the glass shows all the fucking so conventions many. it's so crazy but uh uh fuck i forgot my point again dude yeah all the all the nails they were all female nails that went over, and you still have. A oh yeah, lot so of them. I have. Uh, so when I was a fucking ceramic ones too. <laughs> I have ceramic. Mm-hmm. But uh, when I bought a lot of glass, I bought a lot of glass like 12, 13, 14, 15. They're all fucking males, dude. They're all yeah, male yeah. So there inserts. You go. And what I mean, what we mean by male and female, if y'all are fucking like, what the hell are they talking about? If you look at your bong or your rig, and you uh, the part that you put your banger in or your bowl on, if you could put your finger in it. It's a female. If you have to put something on it, it's a male, dude. You know yeah. what I'm saying? If it's basic, it, you know, it's the hole in the fucking yes, in the it insert. Is genital references. Yes, entirely. Male and female, dude. <laughs> and that's why when you go by glass, they're like, "What are you looking for? Male, female? What degree? Forty-five what angle, ninety-degree angle." Yeah, exactly. And then there's the sizes of the the thickness, right? So, um, but so so males were dominating on the glass world, but then bangers came to the world and now it's gone back everything's and female so everything's female again and it's like that weird little like drop like it's just like you don't even need like a whole thing with the down stem sometimes it's just that little like thing that pops out of the rig and that's that you yeah know? like it's it's a it's a whole new world for glass and who knows where it's going now there's slurpers and all this blenders slurpers yeah. cold start opaques thick bottoms uh, and we have all the electronic dab toys. I was about to get into the <laughs> yeah. e-rigs, too. And yeah, now we yeah. got electric rigs, dude. Mm-hmm. We just fucking dab on the go. Yep. I remember when those first started coming out, and they were like the fill-your-own-pens. Uh- Put your truck on a cat scale. <clears throat> Hi there. Can I start you off with something to drink? Actually, I'm ready to order. Sorry, I'm a trucker, and I'm always in a hurry. Well, you could have longer lunches if you'd use the Way My Truck app from Catscale. Really? Yep. The Way will eat up less of your time. Hmm. Nice tip. Well, let's hope so. Your time is money, and nobody knows it better than Catscale. That's why we offer the Way My Truck app absolutely free. Now you can complete your entire way without ever leaving your truck. You can see your weights on your mobile device, and scale tickets are automatically emailed to you. Best of all, weighing with CatScale means you're backed by the CatScale guarantee. Remember, time is money, so get weighed and get going with the Weigh My Truck app. Visit WeighMyTruck.com to find out more about how this app can revolutionize how you weigh your truck. That's WeighMyTruck.com. For campus accuracy, weigh your truck on a CatScale. If you bought a timeshare for your family, by now you've learned the ugly truth. Timeshares are the only thing that you can buy that you don't know how much it's going to cost or when it's going to end. It's like giving them a blank check for annual maintenance and assessment fees. Sounds crazy, right? The ugly truth is that this never ends. Hello, I'm Chuck McDowell, and 10 years ago I founded Wesley Financial Group with one goal in mind, helping good folks just like you cancel their timeshare contract and what that means for you and your family no at parker our purpose is simple we want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently by using more sustainable practices by developing better technologies we keep moving forward with each new idea innovation and partnership we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day to find out more Visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at hero.co. More mortgage payments, no more maintenance fee surprises, and no more timeshare. 
And I guarantee if we can't cancel your timeshare contract, you'll pay nothing. Need help in getting rid of your timeshare? Get your free timeshare cancellation guide. Go to iCancelTimeshare.com. That's iCancelTimeshare.com. iCancelTimeshare.com. Oh, yeah. The, Om- the Omicron. Omicron. We, we worked with the same guy on that. The yeah. Omicron. I said, mm-hmm. do the show from the Omicron Studios, dude. Yeah, yeah. It's been a long time. The and o- good times back then, for sure. What? So, what made you start, like, getting into all this cannabis and hash? Like, what was it? That- oh, that's an interesting one. Yeah, so I sold weed when I was young. And uh, like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, where were you from? Um, so I grew up here in the valley. What eight one eight? Say yeah, it backwards. Eight one eight, exactly. And I went to Notre Dame High School. What? And that would be when I I first kind of encountered cannabis and all that. Uh, well, I, I I guess my cousin went to Notre Dame. I wonder if you guys went together. You know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, I went to St. Jane Francis for my like grade school first through eighth grade uh-huh. and at the very end of that some kids in in school started smoking weed and that would be the very first time if i really think about it that the private yeah, yeah. religious school oh yeah the very first in fact the first time we tried to buy weed we got a leaf like my i gave my friend some money and we he knew a guy and and he bought some weed and he literally came back with a ziploc bag with a pot leaf just one a leaf. Yeah, just a leaf. No buds, just a leaf. And we didn't even know that wasn't what you're supposed to smoke because we had seen pictures of the leaf. Uh-huh. And we're like, oh, clearly this is pot. And you said, this is what, I, did he say this is what I want? And I, I don't <laughs> know if it was that bad, but I think he just got ripped off. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then we cut it up and we tried to smoke it and we didn't get high and we wondered what we had done wrong. And then eventually one of the kids from school sold us like buds and then we all got high. Like, oh, damn. How did that taste when you just chopped up the leaf, dude? How'd you smoke it in a bong? I smoked it in a pipe. <gasps> yeah, yeah, they gave it to us. And, like, I'd only smoked cigarettes to that point, so it was still better than cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was more natural. <laughs> so then you go to high school. Yeah, then, yeah, exactly. Is so, it a friend? Is it a girl? Is it family? What happened? No, no. At, at first, for me, it was uh, the cool guys that I knew in grade school that were doing it. And I had heard it, Cypress Hill talk about it, and, and that was getting cool. I was like, whoa, all their songs are about getting high. Then, um, Pets from the bomb. Yeah, like, and and the first time you got, like, I tried alcohol, and I tried smoking cigarettes and stuff, and, like, those just weren't for me, you know? Like, the experience wasn't the same. Then when I tried, like, getting high with weed, instantaneously I knew, oh, this is good. I like this. This is for me, you know? And, uh, and going, it, it was a uh, you kept smoking out of pipes or did you try? Oh, so going through high school, I didn't have money, so it was like a very sporadic thing. It'd be very occasional. I was not a, a regular everyday smoker or anything like that at all in high school. I, any chance I could get, I wanted to smoke, but like it was not a regular thing. Right. That's and, why I started selling weed so I could get the weed. That's how it kind of happened for me, too. It was like, I was buying it to smoke it every day, and then all my friends knew I always had weed, so they're like, hey, sell me some of that weed, because I like good weed. And so that's how it began. And then, like, as soon as I started realizing, like, oh, I just bought this weed, and now I already have all the money I spent on this weed back in my pocket uh, after going to, like, one party. Right. And we were partying a lot. Love that. Then, right? House parties. You already know. Valley oh, yeah. life. What? Valley life. Especially Notre Dame. Let's yeah, go. For sure. All the rich kids yeah. with the big houses on the hills. Yeah, yeah. We partied every <laughs> night, sometimes multiple parties. And Friday and Saturday, it was like. I already times. know. South of the boulevard, I'm there. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, <laughs> yeah, I always tell people my life is like a mixture of the movie Kids and that movie, um, uh, the, the one where, where they throw the crazy house party in the valley. A Project X? Project or- X. Oh, yeah, and you're kind of like the guy in that, people say. What? <laughs> what? There's a character in that, and I, my friend was like, oh, that guy's like Adam. What? Yeah, what does that yeah. even mean? <laughs> Is that a good character or a bad character? He's nah. like the fun character in the movie. So. Oh, my God. Now I got to go see Project X. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, anyway, like, that's what my life was like is, like, those house parties yeah, and everything. So, and I got the money, and I'm like, okay, I'm doing this. And I, I got um, – I moved out when I was, like, 20, and I was selling weed out of, like, the place I was living in. And 
um, yeah. Start networking, started oh, getting... So many crazy things happened. Because you started writing for events, you started yeah. working for a lot of brands. Like, how did that whole transition happen from just being a guy who just smoked weed to actually... So, so I have a book coming out. Oh, shit. It's about shit. all the horrible things that happened to me. And a lot of the horrible things happened when I was in that Encino condo uh, living and selling weed out of there and other drugs. Which one? Is it a big condo? You never were there, I don't think. No, I don't think. I just want to yeah. know because I'm the valley. It's, so. it's on the corner. It's that huge complex that's on the corner of White Oak. And the 101? And the 101. 5460? That's the one. Oh, that big ass would do that. Yeah. Everyone's been to that building. Yeah. So <laughs> one of the times where I had problems, uh, the cops told me they're like, this place has the most calls to the police <laughs> out of anywhere in the valley. <laughs> yeah. well, it's a huge ass building. It has, it has like... I think eight or nine buildings in it. Each building is like three stories tall. And nice. I'm like, bro, this is like the projects in the valley. Yeah, it is. It's like, like glorified that. projects right here. It's so crazy. So, and the police are always there. Yeah, after the earthquake, the place lost, the Northridge quake, that place lost all its value. And so they were like selling places real cheap. The first place, I bought a condo in there for $55,000. Jesus. When I, I was twenty. You know how much a condo is there now? Oh, I'm sure it's like five hundred or eight. I looked it up because I'm on Zillow all the time, Crazy. dog, and I looked up the projects. Oh yeah, yeah, like six, seven hundred k for a Jesus. unit. Wow, in there. So I sold mine for one hundred and five, and I moved to Hollywood. Hell sold yeah, weed there too. And um, when I can't I, wait till houses go to fifty five k again in the Valley, dog. Come on, come on with the earthquake, An earthquake recession. <laughs> I don't know what it's gonna be. <laughs> I hope no one gets hurt, but I hope we all thrive after. It's a weird thing, but um, that's what happened. And and so uh, I uh, I had all kinds of crazy things happen in that place. I was home invaded. Um, I've had Fucking robberies, like all kinds of crazy stuff. And I wrote for treating yourself. And like there was a time when I was there. Where people were saying stuff to me were like, you need to smoke less pot and you need to do like a real job. And like, Fuck you. All this crazy stuff, right? Because like, uh, I, well, in, in a way, I was living a crazy life and, and uh, you know. Right. I, I see where they were coming from, but I had a moment where I had I, I thought to myself, I need to decide. I, either I'm growing up and I need to smoke less pot and like this is a childish thing that I need to kind of put away. Or I need to be way more into this. And make this like more of like a connoisseur, like a, a passion, like get take this as far as it can go. And that's the direction I chose to go. I, I went into the Barnes and Noble that was on. A, it, it was somewhere I forget what it was. There, there was something up on the corner. Maybe it was like um, a Virgin Megastore. I can't remember, but it was on the corner. And they had books. And I went in there, and they had the Canna Bible. What? And it was like this. Full color, Jason like King. really high end looking book yeah. about weed, and it's all, all these the little nugs. stories about weed and all these pictures of weed. And at that time, you could not buy all kinds of different weed in the. In I, LA. I know exactly like, what you, there were not even t shirts that had weed on yeah. it at all, dude. So, like, we would go to Amsterdam and it was like weed central. And if you were way into weed, like, you could get way into it. There were strains and all these companies yeah. and the whole thing. <laughs> I wrote a song based on those books. Like, nobody was into it, though. Like, basically, <laughs> everybody in America knew nothing about the Amsterdam scene no. almost at all. And the internet and wasn't around. It just wasn't big this enough. Is like late 1900s, like, I'm oh, guessing. People were on Overgrow, but like it still wasn't like people just didn't give a shit. Right. Even now, like it's kind of the American attitude. Like if it's not in your face, it's I don't care. Whatever. Yeah. yeah, you know, like it's not the thing. And so, um, like, I, I just remember being like way into it back then, and then seeing all that and the Canna Bible. I'm like, oh well, this is almost like going back to Amsterdam. I'm buying the book. And then I'm like looking through it and I'm like, this is so cool. And like, I'm way into cannabis. And I just kept trying to take it further and further. And I wrote for um, some MMA websites at the time. So I was also passionate about mixed martial arts, UFC. It was early yeah. on that journey too. And that whole thing is a whole other story. But I was writing for these websites and uh, um, I was also writing on Overgrow, and Marco from Treating Yourself contacted me on Overgrow, and he's like, hey, do you want to write for a magazine? I got this magazine. I like your blogs. Yeah, I like what you're yeah. writing. I wrote this vaporizer thing that was like the Bible on vaporizers, and he's like, yes, 
you can write for me. So I started writing for Treating Yourself, and then he couldn't come to California. He had this, like, legal issue where he uh-huh. couldn't come here. Totally understandable. And uh, <laughs> and so California's <laughs> medical scene was booming. Yeah. You know? Cal- Canada had kind of created medical, but California yeah. took it and ran with it. And so he needed to, for his magazine, have all these stories about all these different California things. Right. And so... You're uh, an on-scene in- reporter. I became the guy. And, and like... I went out, I met Addison from Steep Hill back then. I went to all these different places that were just brand new and kind of cutting edge businesses at that time. And that indoctrinated me into the cannabis industry in a weird way that I don't know that was possible any other way because I'm this journalist. I'm meeting all the heads of all of these new big companies. Right. Right. And so then moving forward, like, oh, doing the events and all that stuff, I already had those contacts. And, like, even overseas contacts, like, people that weren't really reachable at that time. And so it really became a thing where I I wanted to make it into, like, a great collaboration of all the different worlds. Also, the glass world. It was weird how that was separate from, like, the weed world. Right. People that were into glass... They didn't know anything about weed a lot of times. And, like, they didn't know all the... Especially dabbing. Like, they just really didn't know at first <laughs> at all. And, uh, and and the weed world didn't really know that much about glass. So some people crossed right. over, but it was this whole thing. I mean, the glass we would get, you'd go to, like, Venice Beach or, like, the random head shop on the corner and just get whatever you find. It wasn't There wasn't, like, a full culture and artist and you weren't, like, looking for, like brand name artists yeah. to get pieces. That culture existed on like places like Toke City and it was very small and spread out. So you had Super to like, niche, yeah. Oh, who's this guy? And like overseas it's very much like this right now. Yeah, they're barely getting into yeah, glass. They're barely Because they're barely into getting into dabbing. They're like I heard their 710 out there was bigger than fucking... <laughs> it was out here, dude. <laughs> so it's it's an interesting world with all of that and, and all of it kind of coming together. So you just had a passion for cannabis yeah, and that, a passion for That's MMA how it all started. And just the yeah. internet was starting to boom with forums and all these new companies were starting to merge. You're like, yo, I'm just going to fucking immerse myself in this culture. I was, yeah, I was selling pot at the time. I started making hash when I learned how to make oil. This or that. And uh, all the new cannabis uh, dispensaries were like opening, and you could sell to those places. And it, you guys I, look. You guys seen vendors? Are you, are you interested in vendors? Yeah, exactly. Do you guys like vendors? Just go in and sell directly Trap. to them. Like <laughs> I remember at first thinking, like, oh, this is this like legitimate thing, and then kind of like slowly like talking to the people and realizing, like, oh, this is just like. These are people that sold weed, like me. Yeah, and they've just got like a shop, basically. Yeah. And there's no, like, qualifications involved. They just got, like, a good lawyer. Like, they filed the paperwork. This, this, yeah, there's almost <laughs> nothing involved with this other than renting a shop. Yeah, and, and a so storefront. It was a bizarre world. Um, and, uh, like, a lot of the other business ventures that I was trying to do at the time, they weren't, like, financially succeeding. But everything I did in weed would be, like, a home run without me right. thinking about it. So I just kind of fell into that. And... Uh, selling hash and like doing that whole world and going to all the events and like making all these friends and like there there weren't really girls in it at first and then like slowly girls started to be yeah. interested in it and like it, it was just so cool to be on that that ride of where you saw where it could ultimately be and the vision of like 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 a Coachella type of a vibe where everybody is like partying and having a good time and it's like it's not, we did not see the corporatization of our culture coming at all. Like, we were always going for a legal, we were always fighting for legality because we didn't like being treated like criminals for smoking a plant. And we had friends going to jail for doing what we're doing, be it getting pulled over with like a joint in your pocket or having a plant in your closet. Like, people were going to jail for a long, long time. And, um, you know, the more society started accepting it and, and we had more people being more advocate advocating for it and putting it out there. Just yeah, it's it's a lot more tolerated now than it was when this culture. Because there's, I mean, there's still people coming out of the their little closet of smoking because they don't want people to know. Which I think is kind of lame. I was never ashamed of my consumption. I knew the power of the plant. But that's one of the things that's interesting for what I do now. So um, 
being in the cannabis world, you kind of only interact with people in the cannabis world, even if it's like side, like, oh, this is like a film thing or this or that or whatever it is. There's always cannabis kind of included in that part of it. And and um, now, especially when I'm interviewing people that are these, you know, heads or experts of whatever field it is, mindfulness, whatever it is, you know, um, zoo people like they're not cannabis people like frequently and there's there's a real you forget being in the cannabis world what the real world is like and like how abundant that is for most people and that like cannabis to so many people is still this like strange thing that yeah. we think of it as like oh it used to be that way but it's still that way there's yeah there's so a lot of people that are, yeah that are still on that old yeah. propaganda mm-hmm. life you still see yeah. it as that thing yeah I mean, I deal with it all the time, but I just, that's why I'm still doing what I do. I just want to, you know, it's normal, dude. It's like you see someone smoking a cigarette, you see someone drinking a beer, you see someone smoking a joint, you see whatever. It's, I mean, I see people on the corner now just like smoking, shooting up heroin and smoking crack pipes like it's regular <laughs> and no one's doing shit about it. I'm like, what is going on? You're going to get time. mad at me for smoking a joint? This person right here torching up a pookie? Like, yeah. what are we talking about now? I'm with you. <laughs> oh my God, dude, it is crazy. It's just so regular now in LA. And and that was one of the things I always loved about Amsterdam was like people were just walking around, rolling up joints. They would just sit down in a little circle and be smoking, like out in public. And everything was cool about it. And the the I still think that that's the the cool place for cannabis. Nowhere in the world has gotten to be that accepting yet. They're not, but they are now because, you know, I've been all around the world because of cannabis and been to a lot of events and, you know, the other countries, those events are fucking The events, yes, but I'm talking about Amsterdam, like, you can be in the center of the city on a Monday. (laughs) I mean, it's like that in LA now, too. Yeah, kids are just there on vacation or whoever it is. And they're just session up everywhere, like red light district, just circles of kids just sitting down in, in the this red, main public. In the red, you know? but who are we like, gonna fuck? Who are we gonna fuck? This would be like so like <laughs> here we are in LA. Like it would be like if we would just go out like on um, Van Nuys and Ventura and everybody's hanging out and you're just like, let's just sit down and roll a joint here on the corner. We might be able to get away with it for I a while. I do that all the time. What do you mean? But, like, but it's not like the co- if cops walk by and see you doing this, they're they might not be cool with it. You know, they might I mean be it like, depends where you're at, but I've smoked cannabis. All the time in public places, outside of restaurants. I've been hassled a lot too. Outside, people might look at me and I'll just flash them a smile. They can't do anything. It's legal. I mean, if a law enforcement officer comes up and says something, well, he's gonna say put it out. He's not gonna give me a ticket for smoking weed because that's a waste of a motherfucking yeah, court day. Because yeah. the judge is gonna be like, "What the fuck are we? Gonna, what is this? Fucking not even gonna take it in court, probably." Usually, it's just some sort of a. A employee or somebody from a business close by or someone is going to start complaining. That's why I don't go to those businesses. Sort of a, I go to sort fucking of a scene. I go to businesses that support a cannabis <laughs> consumer and know who we are. And I will gladly give them my money over someone who hates weed. I know what you mean. I support that. <laughs> so uh recently we were watching I stream on Twitch daily. Cool. Um, you know, we get high, we Talk about life. We watch things. Things get recommended. Um, someone recommended the. He's like, "Oh, did you see this documentary?" I'm like, "What? The Secret Cup did a documentary." And I'm like, "Oh, okay. that's dope. I should. I should watch this shit. I wonder if I have any cameos in this." I have. Okay. Yeah. And I and I watched it. Did you like it? Uh, we we were watching it with the <laughs> chat. <laughs> It was it was very informative. It was it was a, it, the scenes were were nice. We were just like, damn, Adam, you were the host of this, and you were at a couple of them, and there's like, yeah, no shots of Adam dabbing or on stage holding the mic. So what happened in post, dude? Yeah, yeah. So there is shots of you <laughs> in a version. Um, so in I, a version. Yeah, yeah. So the story <laughs> of the Secret Cup documentary is kind of a long story. <laughs> It, uh, Many years in the making. Yeah, nine years. In the what? Nine? nine? Years, yes. You were working on that for nine years? Nine years in the making. Holy so, shit. So the very first one we completed around five years in or so. And uh, 
that was basically, I hired Nate from Headlife Media. He does a lot of filming around in uh, the cannabis world. And um, he shot a few of our events. And the stuff that he was shooting was really great. We, he was doing interviews and stuff. And it was um, high budget for us at the time. So uh, I wanted to make originally something to promote the events. But then as the time was progressing, I realized, oh, we maybe need to make something more out of this than, than just like highlight videos or something. And so I started learning about the opportunity to make documentaries. And I really wanted to uh, get this kind of done in a short period of time so that we could kind of get it where <laughs> right. I wanted to get it done. It was taking a lot longer and da 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 and I ended up working on it kind of directly with Nate, and eventually we got it done five years in. And I started shopping that around. And then everybody in the weed world that told me they like, they they got a show on this channel or that channel, and I can help you, and blah blah blah. No one could help me. Like they all, yeah. they just were flat. There's basically. a lot of that. Yeah, and you know what I mean. And. Um, uh, so I, I was left with a lot of closed doors for a while, but eventually, and you know, Marnie. So Marnie introduced me to someone who Fuck introduced Marnie. me to someone. <laughs> and uh, and then the person who, uh, like three people in, that person was the right person. And they're like, I make movies. I do all this stuff. Let me show you all the things that you did wrong. Can you do this? We need releases, like all this stuff, Right. And so I had to go back and try and get releases for this footage and for that footage. And like a lot of the stuff I couldn't get releases for. And so there's a very first, the very first version is also on YouTube. Like if you go to my website. Okay. Theskyisland.com. You just text it to me. And there's, I'll, yeah, I'll text you the link. Yeah. The very first like two, three minutes of the thing, there's, you're in it. You know, and <laughs> like everybody is in it. Like, okay. so Mark Emery's in it. Like, all the people that are famous right. in the weed world. The pioneers. Yeah. The, I tried to put everybody in it and all the friends and everybody I tried to put in there. And so we do have that out there. I was hoping that you were in the Seeker Cup somewhere because there is a lot of old footage, but uh, it's, it's hard. There's no, it's so, all right. No trip. There's so many people actually, that are like, I'm not in it. No, you're fine. I'm fucking with you. <laughs> there's actually a scene uh, at the very end when you're running the credits, you play Hydro's music video. Oh, okay. And you're in that. There's like an uh, 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 image okay. of me taking a dab with smoke just covering my face. Okay. But I could tell because hey. my, uh, my, my, my attire. I yeah, know how yeah. I used to dress when I was true wood. I, I tried. I really did. No, you're did. good. No. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Jeremy Nori here. Uh, the Secret Cup documentary is out now. He's been a part of the cannabis culture since the beginning. You heard the story. I already got the wrap-up. I feel like we just started, and we're already getting the wrap-up. I'm happy to come anytime. Yeah, and do I barely asked you, mm-hmm. like, like what, like, your the basic questions. Like, what are you what are you smoking now? What's your go-to? I'm a dabber, hardcore. What, what, do you I have a preference? I still dab BHO, mostly. Oh, uh, yeah? Yep. You I, like... There's some rosin that is very good that I like to dab, but, but most rosin I think is just average. And it's I'd not rather, worth it. I'd rather dab good BHO. Sorry. What? Yeah. And uh, I know I'm breaking hearts with that one. <laughs> and uh, I, I'm just, I don't go with the crowd. I'm not one of these ones. Right. I have the way that I do it. I think about a lot of the things that I do. And if it's not what I think is the right thing, I don't do that. So, yeah. There it is, mm-hmm. dude. So, and, it, go ahead. And we have a bunch of other cool documentaries that fit. Like, we have some psychedelic documentaries. I just did a tie-dye documentary. Where can people find these? They're all on my website, or you can look it up on IMDb. Or if you just type my name, Jeremy Nori, into your fire Spell stick. Spell it. J-E-R-E-M-Y-N-O-R-R-I-E. That usually comes up with all my movies. Or you just go to theskyisland.com. 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 It's the highest island because it's in the sky. Skyisland.com. Check it out. Tie-dye documentary. That's exciting. I'm wearing one right now. Dude, it's nuts. I learned all kinds of stuff. Like, the... There's the world of tie dye is on that journey, like it's beginning right now for them. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna start a tie dye yeah. company, dude. Listen, I appreciate uh, everyone listening. I'm getting the wrap up. I'm getting the wrap up. I'm getting the wrap up. Listen, Twitch, I appreciate you guys. I'm gonna be coming with you guys for a second. I'm gonna be chilling with y'all. Yo, Benny boy, I see you. I'll I'll see you in a second, dude. Jeremy, anything you'd like to say? Anyone out here trying to like start an event right now? What would you tell them? 
Oh, you know, if anybody wants to ask me about events, I mostly give all the stuff I've learned away. You know, I'm, I'm not really trying to do events myself. Um, I'm happy to help other people, and, and I'll be happy to tell you all the things I learned doing events. Uh, but if the right opportunity came where, like, financially it was right for me and creatively it was right for me, I would get back into doing events. And uh, there's all kinds of cool things to do because everybody is doing the same stale events, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> what? What was the last time you went to that one of the sessions? Uh, the the secret session. Yeah. I went to that one that was at the art one, and there was like the all, wisdom. Yeah, yeah. And look, it, it's cool for the secret session and all that stuff. And I think that for sessions, that that is a, a one of the best ones, you know. But I I, I have a different mind for events, and I, I have I'm, things I I'm want ready to do. for. I'm excited mm-hmm. for it. You're a pioneer <laughs> in the space. I'm excited to see what's next. Jeremy Nori, check him out. Skyisland.com for all the documentaries. Get it out. You already know it is. Adam Hill, the highest host. Thank you, Kentron. Appreciate you. Hell yeah. For sure. Listen, and I want to give a quick shout out to uh, all growers real quick, all the growers out there. I don't give a fuck if it's one plant, a hundred plants, a warehouse, a mountainside, a closet, basement, uh, whatever, dude. I appreciate y'all. Because you guys, without the growers, dude, none of us would be here smoking. None of us would be here getting hash. None of us would be living this lifestyle. Because, you know, my ass ain't be growing. I just be smoking, dude. I don't have patience to that shit. So shout out to the whole growers and all the teams out there making it happen. Thank you, Hayes Radio. Thank y'all for tuning in. I appreciate y'all. Are we done? Okay. All right. All right. All right. I think we already reached it. Aunt Jeremy, I'll get you. Ne- we'll we'll come again, dude. There's a oh, lot good. more to talk about. Yeah. Anytime. How was that joint? It was awesome. You didn't you finish know? it. It's whatever. It's whatever. It's all right. I know you're good. I dab. You know. Well, I got dabs too. You should have said something, bro. I got some. Oh, I got. I got. I only smoke good. rosin though. I'm sorry. Oh, dude. I don't have no bho, bro. No, no I know. That's the hype train right <laughs> now. It's rosin. <laughs> You know? But if it's good rosin, I like it. Look, I smoke everything. I'm a real smoker. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? That's what I'll I'm try about. it. All right, y'all. I got to go. Y'all the best. I'll see you guys next time. Bye.
You're listening to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio. It's time to fuel up again. And now you can earn reward points while you do it. Sign up for the Chevron app and start earning. You can earn reward points at participating Chevron stations on every fuel transaction and qualifying in-store purchases. Plus, you get 25 cents off per gallon on your next three visits. Now that's rewarding. Download the Chevron app in the App Store and sign up today. Terms and conditions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. 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 What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands. And are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.